A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little, it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. Everyone to Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehudi Geber with another episode of Jewish History Soundbites, and this episode is sponsored by the All Daf app for the Daf Yomi. All Daf has the best of the Magidish Shiurim saying the Daf Yomi. All types, a whole variety, the best supplements, all kinds of additions that have free Daf Yomi, and especially during these times when it's getting more and more challenging to go to the regular Daf Yomi Shir, you want to be able to keep up. Download the old daf, uh, share it with others. You can use it for other masechtas, for your kids that are at home. Don't forget to use old daf. Um, so tonight we'll speak about uh, one of the rebbeim that I had when I was uh, in the Mir Yeshiva many years ago, and uh, as a young bacher, a very special man named Rebellia Baruch Finkel, whose yard site is tonight. And before I get into the stories about him, I also want to we always have nice um, art, uh, an art collage that goes along with every episode or almost every episode of Jewish History Soundbites. And uh, Rebellion Baruch's son, Yassi Finkel, was kind enough to share pictures for tonight. So I want to credit him for that. He got it from the Yeshiva archives. He was able to get us a few pictures. So thank you. Um, Rebellion Baruch Finkel is someone who had literally uh, thousands of of uh, students over the years, or as many decades as a Rebbe in the Yeshiva, and many of them have some great stories. His family members, who I also am acquainted with, have plenty of stories, and it would literally be endless to start collecting them all. Perhaps that should also be done one day. So what I opted to do tonight is just to share a few of my own, mainly my own recollections, a few that I heard from uh, others, um, who related them to me or shared them, and uh, will suffice with that because he was really a wonderful man. I remember when, when uh, where I lived in the yeshiva, when the dormitory was the fourth floor of the main building of the mir, and he, in his later years, he actually lived in the building. He lived on the third floor of the main building. He was the only rebbe, actually, who lived in the yeshiva building at the time that I was there, and he... He was very funny and a phenomenal sense of humor. He was, he was, he was entertaining. He was, he was geschmack. He was just a, an amazingly fun person to be around, besides for everything else, his greatness and learning and, uh, and his great shirim, which we'll get to also. But uh, he always had a quip and a, a humorous uh, way of saying things. So he once told me, 
he said there's an expression in Yiddish, I fear God. And he said, I, He said, but I say, I guess aside from having fear of God, which he probably, which he definitely had as well, he said, I also have fear from their Eiberstock, the floor above me. In other words, he's on the third floor and we were a rowdy bunch on the fourth floor, so he said he has fear of us. So we had a, a great relationship. I was never privileged to actually be in his in his shear on a regular basis, but uh, interacted with him. I used to drive him. I used to go on walks with him. So I had a lot of exposure. I used to eat very often uh, Shabbos meals with him. In fact, when I was you know, very young in yeshiva, before I was 21, so a few times he had me drive him, and because I was under 21, he had to call his insurance company beforehand and add me onto the insurance at an extra cost because I was a young driver under 21. So a couple of times I told him, I kind of feel bad. You have plenty of other people who can drive you. You don't need me to drive you. Um, and you're adding for the insurance. So in those days, I was a good boy. I davened in yeshiva every day. So he told me, he says, no, I actually prefer you as a driver because it's good to take a driver of someone who davens in yeshiva. He said, other guys that I have to drive me, I, not all of them daven in yeshiva. Now, one time I was eating by him a Shabbos meal. It was Shabbos morning, and in yeshiva that morning, um, an old friend of his, he had he had for a time uh, when he was young, Rebbe Baruch had studied in the pun of his yeshiva in Bnei Brak for a period of time, and there was a friend of his who who was there, who was Ramesha Sternbuch's son, and he was in the area, so he davened in the yeshiva, this son of Ramesha Sternbuch, I don't remember which one or his name, and uh, Rebbe Baruch invited him up to his house, he hadn't seen him in a while, and he said, "You're you're in the neighborhood for you know whatever reasons. Come up to my house for uh, in the yeshiva. Come up to, for kiddush." So I was eating by Rabbi Baruch. So I went along, and these two buddies were walking together, and and my Sternbuch's son turns to him and says, uh, "By the way, everything in your house is bedats, right?" Which is absolutely the wrong thing to say to Rabbi Baruch because he, you know, was ready to make minced meat out of the guy. <laughs> And he says to him, ah, so your father is on the Eidah Haredes, the Bedats, so therefore you think that everything has to be Bedats. And, and he said, let me tell you a story. He said, the Briskarov, Zev Salavechik, or Velvela Salavechik, who was um, at the beginning of the war, he, was, uh, he had been in a resort in the summer, he had bad asthma, he very often had to go to these spas, and um, and he was with his son, Rebero, Yashaber, his oldest son, and they escaped first to Warsaw and then to Vilna, where he tried to, uh, a whole story with the Briskrov, how he tried to get the rest of his family, and eventually he makes it with part of his family to Eretz Yisrael uh, in 1941. Either way, he's in, stuck in Vilna as a refugee for over a year, and he's without his wife. And the Briskrov was very mockpit on his kashras. He was very particular about what he ate. And here he is in Vilna. What's he going to eat? So they were, you know, they were, they were, had, and it was an issue. Now, as it happens, a lot of people were refugees in Vilna at the time. And among them, the Mir Yeshiva, along with their Rosh Yeshiva, a blazer Yudel Finkel. So one day the Briskarov gets up and he says to his son, Rabbi Yashaber, we're going to eat. And Rebbe says, where? Where is a reliable place that we can go eat? He says, we're going to eat by the Mir Rosh Yeshiva. 
So he said, how do we know we could eat by the Mirash Yeshiva? And the Briskarov said to him with a certainty, with a, a very strong, he said, by the Tochter von Rebellia Baruch, Merhobin Nishkin Sveikis. Yudel was married to the daughter of Rebellia Baruch Kamai, the legendary Mir, Rav, and Rosh Hashiva. And he said, this is the daughter of Rebellia Baruch Kamai who we're eating by. Yudel was there with his wife, his whole family. And he said, we don't have any sveikis, we don't have any doubt, we can definitely feel comfortable eating by the daughter of Rebellia Baruch, who Rebellia Baruch Finkel obviously was named after, Rebellia Baruch Kamai. So Rebellia Baruch is telling over this story, I heard him tell this story to this fellow, this Rebbe son, he ends off his story and he says, Un ich as von Baruch And I say that by the wife of Rebellia Baruch, you also have no doubt about the kashras and you could feel comfortable uh, eating here. Yeah, which is um, how he ended off. And then we started Kiddush and the guy ate, obviously. So, in fact, when he was learning in Panavish, so this story I actually heard from Abaye Finkel, another mere legend, and he said, uh, Rebbe Baruch's father was an interesting individual. He was the youngest son, Rabbi Shefinkel, of he was the youngest son of Rabbi Yudel. And, um, and he was a, a, a quiet, more on the quiet side, less well-known, um, a very modest, a very big person, a, a tremendous person, a fundraiser for the yeshiva also. And I remember him, actually. When I came, he was the only child of Rabbi Yudel Finkel who was still alive. I think he was over 90 already, if I'm not mistaken. And either way, Rabbi Yifinkel uh, said this story about Rabbi Baruch's father, that when Rabbi Baruch was learning in the Panavish Yeshiva, so his father came for Shabbos to B'nai Brak. So he davened in, in Panavish. And after davening, they go ahead, the two of them, they go say good Shabbos to Rav Shach and the other heads of the Panavish Yeshiva. So he goes over to Rav Shach, and Rav Shach says, uh, who are you? Just to t- tell me who you are. So he points to his son, Rabbi Baruch, and he said, I'm Elia Baruch's father. So Rav Shach figured out who he was, and he said, and this pointed out Ramesha Finkel's modesty, Rav Shach said, ah, I know you. He said, when you were younger, they used to say you were a Blazer Yudel Finkel's son. Later on, they said, you're Rabbeinish Finkel, the Rashi of the Mir, you're Rabbeinish's brother. Now you're telling me that you're Rebellia Baruch's father. He says, what about you? Where are you? You're always someone else. And that was uh, his modesty. That's more a story about Ramesha Finkel, obviously, but it's connected to his learning in Panavish. So he um, he felt very comfortable with Rebellia Baruch. He was he was very heimish. He was very easygoing, very warm. I, I remember showing up to meals by his house unannounced. In other words, he, many times he invited us, or I asked him. Uh, but a couple of times I was like stuck without a meal. I woke up late, whatever it was, and I would come in the middle of the challenge and I asked him if I could come in. And he would be like, yeah, come along, sit down. He was always easy to talk to. He, like I said, he had a great sense of humor and he loved teasing. He was a big teaser and he always meant it in good cheer. He was never personal with anyone. He he once, I, I sat next to him by davening for a bunch of years in the yeshiva. And uh, Rabbi Asher who um, who was the other big uh, Magid Shir, the other big Rebbe in the Yeshiva, who actually was where I was learning. So he uh, he was always like a friendly rivalry, you know, who, you know about the two top Shiurim. So Rabbi Shareli had a yard site, and he davened in the Yeshiva for, uh, he was the Chazan in the Yeshiva. 
So Rabbi Davened very slowly. And one of the things that Rabbi Baruch used to joke about Rabbi Shirayeli's shear was that they went too fast. He didn't like the speed that Rabbi learned and the style of learning that he went too fast. He's always talk about that. And here, Rabbi got up to Davin by the art setting. Davin very slow. And, uh, and it was too slow for Rebellion Baruch's taste. So he leans over to me at the end of Davening and he goes, Er lernt the Davenen und er davent the Lernen. He said he learns the Davening. In other words, he davens slow enough that it's the type of learning that it's supposed to be. But when he comes to learning, he davens the learning because he davens it. He goes through it very quickly, which was, he was very proud of that line that he said. And in the context of eating meals by him, so I was sitting near him on Rosh Hashanah, and he asked me, I was a young, very young Bacher then, and he asked me where I'm eating. He, he took an interest in me as a young, one of, someone introduced me to him when I first came to Yeshiva. I was not in his year, like I said, and he took an interest in me, and he was, he was very warm and very fatherly and very welcoming, and he really cared for people. And, and, you know, even though I was never in his, in his year, he, you know, we had enjoyed this very, close relationship, and I always felt privileged by that because I always assumed, and that that was the case for most people, it was only if you're a direct recipient of his Torah that you're able to uh, to have that type of relationship, but not with him. He was he was with uh, everybody. So so uh, Rosh Hashanah, he asked me, so where are you eating your yumptive meals? So very proudly, again, like I said, I was uh, in my early years. I still had a little bit uh, of, you know, a an excitement to be always in the yeshiva. So I said, I'm eating all my meals in yeshiva dining room. I'm not eating out a single meal over Rosh Hashanah. I think it was the last time that ever happened. And uh, and he says to me, he says, listen, Rosh Hashanah is a yantif. And yantif we have chatzilachem and chatzilashem. Half to Hashem and half for you. He said, if you're eating all your meals in yeshiva, then where's your chatzilachem? You're not enjoying yantif at all. And it was... It was just kind of funny to hear that from someone, um, you know, who's a Rebbe in the yeshiva. He was always someone who looked to give more to Talmidim, way, way beyond the call of his, of duty, way beyond what he was required to do. He always gave extra shiurim and extra chaburas. And whenever the yeshiva learned psachim, he opened up a second seder uh, study of of the kachim perek in in psachim on Shabbos zacha right before Purim. He would give an hour and a half shir in his house. About the mitzvah of of Mechia Samolek and on Parshas Chayi Sari, he would give a four-hour schmooze in his house about marriage and shaduchim and all shalom bias and all that. He was he was always you know doing words. Well, he was definitely the most geshmaka and funny guy uh, in the mirror. Besides for being a huge Talmud Chacham, his shiurim were he had this incredible sweetness in in, in studying Torah. His shiurim were clear, crystal clear. He was so well-structured and clear. And, uh, you know, um, uh, one of the, uh, one of his close, uh, one of his close Talmidim, maybe one of his closest uh, Talmidim and also a big Jew- Jewish history Salamites listener gave me a few stories just today about, uh, about his experiences with him, Eli Neuberger. And he said that when he was in Rebellia Baruch Shir and they were studying Yevamis, and in Yavamis, it's well known in the yeshiva world that there's this big question of Rabbi Akiva Eger, uh, who they struggle the entire time that they're learning Yavamis to answer this great question of Rabbi Akiva Eger. 
So Rabbi Baruch is giving the, the shear. This is it. This is the whole, this is the shear of that zman. And he's answering the question of Ruhi Eger. And the shear is supposed to end at 1 o'clock, and he's just going. And he went all the way to 1.45, and he goes all the way over time, and each time he's asking the guys, just a few more minutes, just a few more minutes, and he keeps on saying, We have to finish the structure. We're building up this incredible edifice of Torah, the beauty of answering Rabbi Kiva Eger's question. You got to give another few minutes. And he said, uh, as Ali told me, he said that they may all missed lunch, but the excitement was palpable and the lesson that was learned about the beauty of Torah and the, and the sweetness and, and, uh, and that was, that's something that remains, uh, long lasting. He, in fact, he died, uh, at the end of a Yavamas, uh, Zman. And I was walking with Rabbi Shareli by the Levi of Rebellion Barch. And it was just a few days before the end of the Zman. And Rabbi told me, he said, I guess the last Shi'urim of Rebellion Baruch's Yavamas, they wanted to hear upstairs in, in heaven because he, he gives good Shi'urim and Yavamas and they, they really wanted to hear him give a Shi'ur there. And that must be why he was called up now towards the end of the Yavamas. So it was, um, in, uh, he, like I said, he was very fatherly to his Talmudim. And in fact, I was once at a wedding. There was a boy in his Shi'ur who got married here in, in Israel. And I, I walked home with him from that wedding. And at the wedding, during the Sheva Brachis, so as it happens, first of all, a lot of the guys drank, like is you know, customary. And, um, and, uh, and during the Sheva Brachis, um, they started singing, Asher Baras, Asen Vesimcha, Chasen Vekala. They broke out in the song in the middle of the Bracha. And the, the boys, the Chasen, his Rosh Yeshiva from America had flown in to participate in the wedding. And he got up and he said, you're singing in the middle of the bracha. It's inappropriate. You're, you're interrupting the bracha. You shouldn't do that. Stop singing. And he demanded that they stop. And it was quite abrupt. And they stopped. And I walked home with Rebellion Baruch a few minutes later. And he turns to me and he says, uh, he says that was wrong what that Rosh Yeshiva did. And he said, I was very upset and I was very embarrassed that I was there. I said, what was wrong? He said, the guys are enjoying themselves. They're bringing happiness and joy to the chassan. A lot of people sing during the Shavuot. It's not a big deal. It could be that there's a better way to do it and not to do a hefsik. He said, but the guys are enjoying it. The guys are having fun. They're giving joy and happiness to the chassan. Why are you stopping? Who asked you to come and break up the party? He said, it was very... You have to let the guys... Uh, you know, uh, go go their way and and have fun in within you know the proper parameters. Uh, you know, um, so like I said, I was you know I, I would walk with him and and uh, enjoyed those walks. He actually um, he had uh, he 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 had to go for a walk every day. His doctors told him so. He had a couple of heart attacks. Eventually, he died at a relatively young age of sixty from his last heart attack. Unfortunately, very tragically and suddenly. Um, but, um, he already, you know, he tried to you know, do, do his exercise and everything. So I would go, go on walks with him. And one time we were walking very slowly. And I said to him, if you're doing this for exercise, you should be walking a little faster. And he said, no, it's, it's, it's hard for me to walk fast. But I was concerned that it wasn't good exercise. So I asked my doctor and he says, the doctor said he gave me permission to walk slowly. So he, he was able to get his way and he did it all within the permission from the doctor. 
which in this context, it's, uh, you know, we're all facing a challenging time right now. And um, it's important that we all, which I'm sure we all are listening to the doctors and the health departments, and we should all be in good health, all of us. Uh, we should get out of this very quickly. Um, but going back to Rebellion Baruch, a, um, he... He had he he held he held very highly of his own shiur. Um, again, Ellie Nuberger told me a, a story today about how uh, Ellie had gone to wish the Chevron Rosh Hashiva of Simchasisel Breda, a you know I guess it was before Rosh Hashanah or something, uh, uh, you know a gutiar or whatever it was, and he Rosh Simchasisel Breda the Chevron Rosh Hashiva asked. Where are you learning? You're learning in the mirror. Who by who? Rebellia Baruch Finkel. Wow, you're studying under Rebellia Baruch Finkel. He said he is a great Talmud Chacham. So Eli Neuberger went back to the mirror and he saw Rebellia Baruch learning in the base Medrash with his son. And he goes over to him and brings him the news that the Chevron Rosh Hashiva of Simchasisel Breda says that he's a great Talmud Chacham. And Rebellia Baruch broke out in a big smile and he nudges his son. And he says, You heard? Reb Simcha Zissel Breida, <laughs> he said it, and he was like that. He uh, he was very, very you know he just uh, justifiably so. He had a great shiurim, and um, he uh, like I said, he, the totality he covered a topic it was all encompassing and a, amazing clarity. He I was once by a shear of his, and he was bringing out a point, and he brought proofs to uh, to prove his point. And he brought one proof, and another, and another raya, and another raya. And he keeps on piling them until it was like rock solid. And he eventually, and he was keeping count, which I wasn't at that point. And he said, now we have ten rayas, ten proofs to, the, to what I was saying. And he said, I think that ten is a minion. I think if we have a minion of rayas, that's enough. And we could say for sure that what I'm saying is true. He built it up in such a a way that there was like no, not a shadow of doubt. And in fact, uh, one time I re- drove him to a shir that he gave on Cholomayd Pesach. And, um, he was giving a shir in some, some place, some shul. And he wanted to say a big chiddish, a novel idea in his shir. And he said on one hand, like he always tried to spice it up and make it humorous and make it funny and entertaining. He was a great speaker. So he said on one hand, um, on one hand, I don't want to say a chiddush because chadash aser min ha'tayra. You're not allowed to say anything new. Anything new is forbidden. The Torah forbids anything new. We're a very conservative society. He said, but on the other hand, we're in Cholomite Pesach. And yesterday, if the Beis HaMikdash was around, we would have brought the carbon Oimer. And the carbon Oimer allows us to use the new grain, the chadash. So it allows chadash. So if we're allowed to have chadash, then I'm allowed to say my chiddush. And he went ahead and said his chiddush. He used to sometimes be very drawn out in his speeches. And uh, not always was that I have the patience to sit around and listen to the whole thing. So one time by Shalashudas, he was giving a shmooz in yeshiva. And I knew he would ask me afterwards where I was. So I davened at the early minyan. I, you know, ended Shabbos and whatever. And then I came down to get grab the last 15 minutes of his Shalashudah Shmuz, which I assumed would still be going on. For that, for some reason, that week he went shorter than usual. Usually really long, uh, drawn-out speeches. And this time it was, it was over early. So I, uh, I was at a loss of what to do. So I see a friend of mine coming out, and I said, just give me a synopsis 
of what he said, and I'll go over and ask him a question, I'll make a comment, and he'll think that I was by the shear. Well, it worked, and uh, my friend told me, what, just ask him this and this question. I went over and asked him that and that question, and he goes, oh, I was waiting for someone to ask that question. Ah, I see you got the point of the shear. So I got away with it that time, but not every time. Um, you know, and he, he, um, so the, uh, the, it's another thing that he, he had this shidduch shmuz. He gave on marriage and dating and shiduchim on the week of Parshas Chayesara, which the Torah describes the marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka. So he found that as an opportune time and it was legendary. He would have literally hundreds and hundreds of people, not just from the mirror, from all over. They would come and attend. It was like a four-hour shir. Two hours was a halftime show, and they had hot potato kugel and drinks, and and it was more light. It was a very nice atmosphere, and it was it was great. It was a lot of fun, and a lot of insight and a lot of good advice. One of the things that sticks out that I remember from that year was that he and he used to say it, and in, in during when the yeshiva learned ksubis, he used to say it also. He would say that the uh, the gemara in ksubis describes the the boy getting married to a girl. He said he's, he's the one who goes after the girl. The boy is looking, he's seeking out, he's searching for the girl. Why? Because it's an Aveda, it's a lost object. He lost something of himself. Because when God created man, he created a woman from, as the Torah tells us, created a woman from the ribs or whatever the surgery was that the Torah describes in Parshish Bereshis. It takes it out of the man and, uh, and, and creates the woman. And what, uh, what the man is looking for is he's looking for that part of himself. He's seeking it out. He's searching for it. And that's what, that's what the Gemara in Ksubis says. So Rebellion Baruch would quote that. And then he would say, he said, the, one of the big problems when yeshiva guys, they start dating, is he said, I'll say it in Yiddish and translate it, because it was very, had a certain, uh, <laughs> a certain niceness to it. He said, he said, everyone's looking for a metzia. They're looking for something. This is it. They have some fantasy. They have something in their mind that they're looking for. When they date, when they, they're looking for something, they're going to find it. They're a metzia, something special. He said, you have to understand that the mindset going in is that you're looking for an aveda. You're looking for something that you lost. You're looking to become a more complete person. And whoever you're going to find and marry is going to, is going to, is going to, you, the, the two of you together are going to become one complete entity. And that should be the mindset, not that you're looking for some sort of metziah. That was one of the many gold nuggets of advice that he gave during that shidduch shmuz. He himself had a you know, wonderful home. And, and, uh, I remember the way he used to describe his wife's cooking and compliment her and that we should hear. He would quote uh, Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, the great Mira Shiva. He would say, he would say, almost every Shabbos that I ate by him, he would say this. He would say that the Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, the Reshiva Reb Chaim, would say that, you know, when I prepare a shir, I say a shir in the yeshiva, sometimes it comes out good and sometimes it doesn't work out. The Rebetzin, when she gives her shir, which in the case of Reb Chaim Shmulevitz and Reb Baruch Winkel, he was talking about the delicious food that she had worked so hard to prepare. So he said, she said that, that it always comes out good. It's so tasty. It's so wonderful. And he would, he would thank her uh, like that. Um, 
was really beautiful. And uh, I'll end off with one last story, which was a great story that I heard from him on uh, a few occasions. Um, he told us that he took, he had a friend when he was young. He st- again, he was after, after he was left Panovich, he came back to the mirror and he was studying in the mirror and he was learning with an American guy. This is the late sixties, early seventies when Americans were first starting to come to the mirror yeshiva. And after two years, this American friend of his was going back home to the United States. And, uh, and, uh, the Rebbe Baruch, who was, had become close friends with him, decided to give him a treat and bring him to the great Mashgiach of Panovich, the legendary who was before that in the mirror in Shanghai, Rebchatzka Levenstein, great Kelmer, great Musser personality, a fiery, powerful individual. Rebbe Baruch said, I'm going to bring you to him, and uh, that will be a great ending to your two-year stint in Israel. So they go down to Bnei Brak, the two of them go together, Rebbe Baruch gets him into Reb Chatzkel, and Reb Chatzkel, who was a very, very strong, very, uh, you know, straight to the point, very sharp, he says to the American boy, Rebbe Baruch says this guy, he was in two years in Eretz Yisrael, now he's going back to America. So Reb Chatzkel says to him, How are you traveling home? So the guy, American guy, he says, Mitelal, I'm going home with the Elal airline. And obviously, Reb Chatzka wasn't that interested in which airline it was. That wasn't the issue. So Reb Baruch is feeling all uncomfortable. So Reb Chatzka gets all upset and he goes, Nein, 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 no, no, no. Was nimmt ihr mit euch? What are you taking with you? And again, this American guy just missed the boat. He didn't understand what Reb Chatzka wanted. So he said, I'm taking home two suitcases. And Reb Chatzkel is like losing it. He's like, no, that's not what I'm asking you. And Reb Baruch at that point is going wild. He says to the guy, understand, that Reb Chatzkel is asking you, what are you taking home with you? You were two years in Israel, two years studying at the Mir Yeshiva. What are you taking back with you? Are you a changed person? Did you grow? And he said, oh, that's what he's asking. And he reassured Reb Chatzkel, yes, I used my time here well. I'm going to take it back with me. And I'm going to take it with me for the rest of my life. And that's how, uh, that was, uh, the Rebelli Baruch used to very often relate this story, especially to American guys leaving the mirror after a time in Israel. So, that was just a little taste of the great man, Rebelli Baruch Finkel. There's, of course, many, many more stories. And um, stay safe, stay healthy. We should all pass through this challenging time quickly. And this was Yehuda Geber with uh, Jewish History Soundbites. Uh, you can reach me at ygebss at gmail.com for questions, comments, sources, and trips and tours. We'll be back one day with that uh, to places of Jewish history. And, uh, of course, download your Oldaf app. And you can uh, subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at JSoundbites. And I hope you enjoyed.